I'm amazed this man was able to come on, considering, number one, it's All-Star Weekend. I'm sure he's absolutely swamped with content left, right, and sideways, especially since it is the 75th anniversary of the NBA, I believe this since the merger. And number two, he mentioned to me in a text when I hit him up about coming on the program that he asked me to come on, asked him to come on during the Elimination Chamber, which is going on right now. So I'm, I'm glad he's able to come on with me, take time out of his busy schedule. That is the managing editor for the NBA side of The Athletic. He's from Pittsburgh by way of Lafayette, Louisiana. He is Tyler Batiste. Tyler, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. I got one eye uh, one eye on the chamber while I'm while I'm here on the phone, so don't worry, <laughs> I'm not I'm not too distracted. But <laughs> I, all right, first off, unrelated to basketball or anything, how have you been holding up since the aftermath of the last Popeyes buffet not reopening in full, and it looks like it's no longer going to be just a buffet now? You know, I, I was uh, I was home for the holidays, and I. I, uh, I drove past just to kind of get one, uh, you know, got out of my car and gave it a salute, sort of a farewell. Um, but, you know, it's uh, all good things must come to an end. That's the that's the old saying. So it had a good run. And, and um, you know, I, I kind of wasn't thinking about it until you just brought it up. So now I'm kind of sad again. <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry. We're, we're going to pick the spirits throughout this interview. <laughs> but, like, I texted you no more than probably about an hour or so later. I saw something you put out. Because y'all been doing the NBA 75, top 75 players of all time. And number one was Michael Jordan, as he should be. But you decided (laughs) to wake up on Friday and choose violence and go with the the LeBron James. So you voted LeBron James as number one, right? That's correct, yeah. We had a panel of about uh, 15 or 16 writers and editors, and and, um, a a large majority of that panel had Jordan number one. Uh, But a few of us, including myself, had had LeBron James over at the top, yeah. All right, explain yourself, because I'm trying to figure it out, because I am definitely the pro-Jordan camp, like bottom line. I I will always pivot towards Jordan in the conversation, no matter. Like, Jordan could – I mean, LeBron James could have probably 10 rings, and I probably still – wouldn't consider him better than Jordan. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my argument was, was number one, longevity. I don't think anybody, any player has done, um, played at the level that LeBron has played at um, for as long as he's played at it. Um, and we're going on, you know, 19, 20 years now. Um, I think number two, just kind of the expectations that LeBron James had when he came into the league. You know, basketball fans knew who he was when he was 15, 16 years old. And, to have those expectations of being the number one pick and having all this height and to match and in many cases exceed those expectations, I think is, is something that's ridiculous. And, and number three, just from a physical standpoint, you know, Michael Jordan is great. He's a great winner, probably the greatest competitor, greatest winner of all time. But, you know, we've seen a lot of 6'6", 210-pound players um, in the athletic build of Michael Jordan with that jumping ability, with that athleticism. I don't think there's been – ever been a player who's three inches taller and about 50 pounds heavier than LeBron James, who is as fast and as powerful as he is on the court. He's just kind of a one-on-one when you look at it in my mind. So for those reasons, um, the longevity, the hype and meeting those expectations, and just kind of from a physical standpoint, I put LeBron number one. I'm certainly not going to argue if people have Jordan number one. Obviously, like I said, he's a great competitor and probably no one wants to beat your you-know-what on the basketball court more. Um, but I, I just think for LeBron to do it as long as he's done it and still be, 
you know, averaging close to 30 points a game, you know, five, six rebounds, five, six assists, I think is, uh, it was worthy of, of my pick. That, that doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. So I just wanted the reasoning because, again, when I saw <laughs> that, at, at, again, and, and we're both kids in the 90s. Like, how can we not put Le- Michael Jordan over LeBron in that? That, that was kind of just my whole crux of that. I wanted to get that out of the way early on so we can <laughs> – so we can get to some actual stuff that's going on in the here and now with the NBA as we're in the middle of the All-Star break. And I want to start off with the New Orleans Pelicans because they have they made a nice move getting C.J. McCollum. Hasn't necessarily paid off in spades like maybe some expected it, it would. They're, they limped into the, play, into the All-Star break with a pair of losses to the Grizzlies and then to Luka Doncic and the Mavs. Like, and obviously you're still dealing with the Zion Williamson, will he even play in 2022 right. as you get towards the home stretch of the season? What has been your overall thoughts on the Pelicans? And more importantly, did they make the right move getting CJ McCollum? You know, I, I understood the move. Like, you, everything in the NBA now is kind of having a, uh, it's about having your own version of a big three, right? You look at Milwaukee last year, they had Drew Holiday, Giannis. And, uh, and Chris Middleton. And so I guess the Pelicans view that they do have kind of a big three when they're completely healthy and Zion Ingram and CJ McCollum, um, you know, Devontae Graham, that signing hasn't really worked out for them um, terribly, terribly well. Um, you know, I know they he got moved to the bench recently too. So um, to kind of have another perimeter score in CJ McCollum who can play on the ball, he can also play off the ball. Um, I get wanting to have that piece in your, in, in your lineup. I think, um, their defense is going to be interesting to watch when they're completely healthy. I mean, CJ McCollum is not known for his uh, his prowess on that end, nor is Zion Williamson. Um, Brandon Ingram, when he's locked in and engaged, you know, he has long arms. He can get in the passing lanes and, thing, and things like that. But um, the defense, I think, is where they're going to they're going to struggle. Um, but I get I get making the move. I mean, you look at the West standings. They're you know the Pelicans are going to be better probably than Sacramento, Oklahoma City, Houston, uh, the Spurs. Uh, so maybe they're looking at, hey, we can get this 10th spot in the play-in. Maybe Zion is back by that point, or maybe we have, you know, McCollum and Ingram firing on all cylinders, and they like their chances of kind of that one-two punch against some of the other teams that they might be they might be playing against. So um, I understood the deal. Um, I, you know, the Pelicans certainly aren't in like a complete rebuild mode, so um, I don't know if I would have agreed if they tried to tear their roster apart while Zion is out. So um, to get a guy like McCollum, who's versatile on offense, I, I understand where they're coming from. And they didn't give up Herb Jones, which is a big deal, I think, in my mind. I mean, um, we talked about the defense, and Herb Jones is kind of the guy on that team and as a rookie who's really um, stood out on that defensive end. So um, they didn't give up their big defensive stalwart, and they and they got a guy who's uh, who's proven he can score the basketball. Um, so, I, you know, I like seeing where the, how it works out when Zion is back and, and they're not tied to uh, everything for too long. So if it doesn't work in a year or so, you can make another move. Talking right now with Tyler Batiste, NBA managing editor of The Athletic. And looking at just some of the other big trades that happened ahead of the deadline, namely the Sixers, they wound up trading James Harden. They finally got rid of Ben Simmons. Somehow, some way, right. you're able to finally kind of rid yourself of a former LSU Tiger, if you really want to call it that. <laughs> and you have him move on, but you get James Harden to come over. How much does that change the entire dynamic of that franchise and the 76ers where, honestly, the last couple of years, it just felt like they were one step away. They were always just one step away from jumping into a being a true contender in an Eastern Conference that has been wide open over the last couple of years since LeBron finally left. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I, I, I like the trade for both teams, actually. Um, the Sixers, um, obviously, James Harden has a relationship with Daryl Morey from that time in Houston. Um, it seems like that was the place that he wanted to be all along when all the trade rumors were starting, um, you know, a year ago in Houston, whether it be the, uh, Brooklyn or Philadelphia. It seemed like everything out of Harden's camp was being that, that he wanted to be in Philadelphia. Um, so I like the move for both teams. I think in terms of James Harden and Embiid, um, the Sixers have a really tight window now, and I think they realize that. Um, number one, because of James Harden's contract situation, he's only under contract for this season. He said he plans to opt in to his deal next year. Um, and Joel Embiid, as dominant as he's been for the past couple of seasons, he's going to be 28, I believe, soon. He's got an injury history. Uh, you know, he's not going to be playing at this level uh, most likely in four or five years. So, um, you know, with him at this level, you know, you probably only have another two, maybe three years left. You have to maximize that now. And, and James Harden has shown that he, while he plays with the ball a lot, he's shown that he can average 10, 12 assists a game. Um, he's never really played with a post player like Joel Embiid. Um, in, in his time in Brooklyn and, and his time in, in, in Houston, with all respect to you know Clint Capella and Dwight Howard. So I think they're smart basketball players, and they can try to figure it out. Um, and I think it might be kind of successful. I think what really hurts them is that they lost a lot of their shooting with Seth Curry um, uh, going, to, going to Brooklyn. So James Harden is going to have to kind of you know play both sides of that. He's going to have to get Joel Embiid involved, and he's also probably going to have to be the person who – you know, when Joel Embiid gets double teamed, the person that can consistently knock down three-point shots. But um, I think their team got better. I think they needed to get rid of Ben Simmons after uh, everything's gone on over the past few months. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how those teams, uh, both Philly and Brooklyn, uh, look over the next uh, few weeks as we get to the playoffs. You brought up the Brooklyn Nets, and I want to kind of segue into that. Has that kind of been one of the biggest circuses all year long, looking at the way things have gone for them? Obviously, yeah, the old Kyrie Irving situation. Kevin Durant starts off the season really well, gets hurt. He's been out for a while. And then you see what happened with them heading into the All-Star break with a really tough loss to the Knicks. I, or, no, excuse me, it was a, a really nice win over the Nets. That was a wild game, to say the least rallying from 28 points and winning that one, then turning around on Thursday, losing to the Washington Wizards. It just feels like it's been an up-and-down team for somebody that's, I think, been a strong favorite to come out of the East and make it to the NBA Finals if you're the Nets. Yeah, it's been an up-and-down season. And, and what's interesting is that a lot of people forget, I feel, that you know if Kevin Durant takes a couple of inches behind the three-point line last season in that, that game against Milwaukee – you know, maybe the Nets are in the conference finals, or the, the Nets are certainly in the conference finals, and maybe they're winning the championship last year. So I feel like they weren't that far off. It's been an up-and-down season, not only with the injuries and the hard situation, but obviously with Kyrie Irving. Um, it's wild that a lot of people are still considering the favorite. And, and I think, you know, with Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons can play, um, you know, kind of a Draymond Green role, um, you know, where he doesn't have the ball all the time, he – um, is setting screens, he's playing defense, he's rebounding, and he's really focusing on that. I, I kind of love this deal um, for the Nets more so than I even do for the Sixers. Um, they got Seth Curry, they got Andre Drummond, um, and their window, as we talked about with the Sixers, is probably a little bit more open. You know, Kevin Durant's under contract for another three or four years, so is Ben Simmons. Um, so you can kind of build around those two guys um, in terms of making your roster uh, work. Seth Curry's going to be big for them, and they also got two first-round picks out of the deal, so um, you know, if Ben Simmons can get back to, you know, he won't have to shoot on this team, put it that way, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant 
And even when they're healthy, uh, you know, Joe Harris will handle that stuff. So if he can do all the things besides shooting, um, which he needs to do and didn't necessarily, you know, um, the stuff that he doesn't have to do in in, in Brooklyn that he has to do in in Philadelphia, I think it could be be a success. But they're only going to have, you know, 15 or so games together after their All-Star break once Ben Simmons comes back and Kevin Durant presumably will miss a little bit more time. So it's not that much time to get um, back up to full speed. But next year is going to be interesting for them, if you ask me. All right, let's have some fun here to wrap up this interview because obviously you're a big wrestling fan, Tyler, so I want to throw this out there. Let's go ahead and have an NBA 5-on-5 Survivor Series. Put it together. So am I picking an East and West? Just guys who could... Just to make it simple, East and West works. Let's go ahead and do that. 5-on-5. Five on five, man. Oh man, I'm thinking of I I I want Draymond Green on the on the West. So I'll go East and West. So Draymond Green, um, gosh, you know, one of the Morris. You need a Morris twin, obviously. Which one is in in, in on the Clippers? That's uh that's Marcus, if I'm not mistaken. Patrick Beverly's in the West. Um, oh man, this is put me on the spot here. I'll, I'll I'll take those three. Let me let me fill out three and three first, and then get back to you. Joel and B, my I might take on on the Eastern team. Uh, the other Morris twin, wherever he is, he, Montrez Harrell, he's over in the East. Those, those guys, uh, that would make for a pretty good uh, Survivor Series elimination squad. I'll have to think about the other two, the other two spots on each side and get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after after the show, just put it up on Twitter after you're done watching the Chamber. How about that? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, I got one more for you, and it's it's Pittsburgh centric. Because why okay. the hell not? Because the other day, Sid the kid. Got, I believe, what was his, his 400th career goal? Uh, yeah, 500, I think, yeah. 500, okay, 500. So let's go ahead and say, I got this question. More important athlete from Pittsburgh in terms of active athlete, is it going to be A, Sidney Crosby, or is it going to be B, Dr. Brett Baker, DMD? <laughs> oh, man. I, you know what? This is going to surprise people, but I'll give – I'll go with Britt Baker just because yes. he's actually from Western Pennsylvania. You know, Sidney Crosby's been here a while. He's won some Stanley Cups, but he's you know he's from Nova Scotia. Like he's he's not born and bred. He's here. a transplant. So I, I'm I'm going with Britt Baker. I love it. I love it, Tyler. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your All Star Weekend, and more importantly, enjoy the Elimination Chamber right now. <laughs> we'll do, man. Thank you.